This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a phenomenal episode. We've got our one of our favorite guests back, Dustin Woodhouse. Fan favorite, one of our favorites, Dustin Woodhouse, president over at Mortgage Architects. Yeah, and Mortgage Architects, Matt, this is a, this is a brokerage. It's one of the biggest brokerages in the country. Um, and it's also, uh, Dustin, I think now oversees almost 1,500 mortgage brokers in Canada, which is crazy when you think about it right this is you know what dustin was one of our early guests yes. right back in 2016 and he was one of the the biggest brokers in vancouver at that time and now he's the president of this of this company he has a lot to say about vancouver but now it's even more exciting because he's in the room uh with a lot of high level conversations and with covid19 coronavirus going on right now He's having top-level discussions. He also is managing brokers across the country. Right. So he's got a lot to say about Vancouver, but he's also got his finger on the pulse of what's going on across Canada. Yeah. So it's super exciting to have him back on the and, show. And he seems to split his time up between Vancouver and Toronto, which are obviously two markets that a lot of people monitor in Canada. Although right so, now I think he's isolating himself. Yeah, he is. He's currently quarantined. But uh, w- what we will do is in this episode is obviously we're going to be covering um, an update on COVID-19 and the real estate market in Vancouver. Um, we're also going to be looking at emergency rate cuts. Well, there's been two, right? Yep. He has a lot to say about the emergency rate cuts and and what the Bank of Canada's, what his predictions are for the for the near future. Sure. Uh, and, and it's that's interesting stuff. And then, of course, we will cover on what uh, all three of us think is going to be happening with the market and what Dustin thinks will happen with the balance of 2020. So this is a really, really engaging, interesting episode. I'm super excited. Yeah. And one of the things that we should say before we cut to our talk with Dustin is uh, you and I are both, uh, we're, we're on your we're on your patio right now. Yes. If there's any background noise, uh, watching the bikes go by on the bike route here. We're five feet away from we, each other. We are, be- we are both definitely not going into the office now. Um, we're actually really primarily focusing on talking to as many people as we can about this situation. So we're going to be putting out a lot more content uh, with a lot of really smart people moving forward. We also have our YouTube Live planned for tomorrow. That's over at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast YouTube Live. We have a very special guest. We should say it may not be happening. We're it, we're really weighing the the our options right now, and yeah. we're thinking it may may not be the smartest thing to do. Um, but if you're if it does happen, you'll want to go to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast on YouTube. 
click subscribe. It's no skin off your back. Yeah, yeah. It's it, there's a lot of great content over there, anyways. And of course, this episode's going to be ho- posted uh, on our YouTube channel as well. So go over and have a look. And also, Matt, I you know we are still debating about tomorrow. We're doing our best here at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast to flatten the curve, and uh, we hope you are as well. Absolutely. So enjoy our conversation with Dustin Woodhouse. Okay, so we're here with Dustin Woodhouse, president of Mortgage Architects, the fifth largest brokerage in Canada, and uh, I think almost 1,500 brokers, if I'm right, Dustin? 1,464 and counting. Wow. Well, <laughs> and I should say past guest, fan favorite, uh, welcome back, Dustin. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. in the past, I uh, was at the time an active mortgage broker, you know, kind of frontline uh, with with clients on a daily basis. Today, uh, I'm, I'm sort of one step removed, but I'm interacting with brokers across the country on a daily basis, uh, discussing you know their situations with clients and and what's happening. So, I probably had a very localized Vancouver perspective in the past, and at this point, I I have a little bit broader perspective. Last year, I was on the road 199 nights. So uh, wow. back and forth across the country. Yeah. yeah Air, Can- Air Canada knows me well. That my, my, <laughs> I, I was going to give the airport as my permanent address. <laughs> where where are you traveling through? Uh, like, is it, I know you're in Toronto a lot, but are you all over Canada, North America? About 110 of those nights were Toronto and then the other uh, 89 were spread out. Uh, you know, there were a couple conferences that happened in Mexico and people go, oh, you get to go to Mexico for work. It's like, well, like I flew in for 48 hours, you know, like <laughs> did a conference, saw the inside of a hotel, inside of a bus, inside of an airport and flew home. Like there's, so yeah, you know, there's, there's a few different trips, as they say, to some sunny spots. Not that I see the sunshine when I'm there usually. Uh, and then all over, all over Canada, you know, uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Halifax, Montreal, Ottawa, sort of move all over the place. And uh, like I say, it's, it's really interesting having conversations with brokers in all of those centers, including a lot of uh, brokers from outlying smaller areas and, you know, really getting a handle on what's happening across the country. So your life, I mean, everybody's life has changed quite dramatically in the last week, Dustin, but uh presumably yours has changed even more if you're traveling at that kind of clip. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not traveling that clip now. I mean, we made the decision two weeks ago to postpone all of our um, late March. I think March 6th was the last event we had. We pulled the pin on everything else for March and all of April. And, uh, And actually, at this point, May as well. So we don't you know, we we could see two to three weeks ago that the need to distance ourselves was was coming fast, and uh, and and the pace of change in this whole thing has been interesting to watch. And it it feels like the government's moving a little too slowly. Like we were canceling events two weeks ago that that were gatherings of thirty or forty people, whereas the government, you know, it took them until late last week to say two hundred and fifty and mm-hmm. up. And uh, and then of course by Monday you had Trump talking about no 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 greater than ten, and uh, that's the the interesting thing about a lot of what's going on. Not to get too deep into the whole virus conversation, but you know I, I go through some of these different events and I'll interact. So you know, there's close talking and handshaking and touching of all kinds of things, and, and there's like 500 600 people at those events, and there's. 50, 60, 70, probably more than 100 conversations and handshakes and hellos. And so for you to sit across from me for a cup of coffee, you might think it's just a one-to-one event, but it's not. I've interacted with hundreds of people, and each of them have interacted with dozens of people. So, you know, to the whole social distancing thing, I think we've been a little slow to really grasp the importance of like it's not just one person's hand you're shaking. That person could represent the collective germs of you know a thousand people. So, right. 
Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, especially in just the, thinking of your case where you're at a conference, but then you're also hopping in an airport, hopping on a plane. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of nuts. I'm a bit of a germaphobe naturally, so I think that's hopefully kept me somewhat safe, and uh, and I've been somewhat self isolating uh, for the last week myself. Uh, just a bit of a cold. I have gone and gotten tested, and I'm, I'm good. But uh, so it is just a cold. But I'm nonetheless, I'm still, yeah, I'm still doing the social distancing thing myself. And and you're in Vancouver right now, Dustin. Yeah. So Dustin, uh, maybe we'll jump right into it here. We've had a lot of uh, a, a lot of things happen over the last week in terms of the the Bank of Canada. We saw a half point cut, uh, kind of an emergency rate cut, and then another half point. Uh, can you can you talk about the Bank of Canada's approach and what that means for for people looking to buy and sell real estate? Yeah, you know, I think that Friday, March thirteenth cut, if I'm not mistaken, is is unprecedented. I, I, I don't think they ever jumped in with any kind of rate cut outside of their regularly scheduled Bank of Canada meetings. So so that in itself was a pretty big deal, and the fact that they went a half a percent where they normally move in quarter point increments. Again, if you look at the entire history of Bank of Canada movement, I don't think you've seen more than maybe five moves that were greater than a quarter point in like the last 25 years or 30 years. So so the initial half point cut was a, a bit of a like, wow, that's a big deal. Now, I've been expecting them to come down a quarter point since last October, and I've made that call publicly a couple of times, and obviously I've been wrong, 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 wrong. And now suddenly they come down a half. So, you know, nobody foresaw the reasoning that they would be. But but it felt like they were about a quarter point too high all the way through the winter anyway. So that first half point cut needed to happen. I mean, a, a quarter point would have been nowhere near enough. The fact that the Bank of Canada saw fit to jump in again so soon after and, and not prime down by another half a percent. Um, that to me indicates, uh, it indicates something a lot different than what you're seeing in social media feeds. Like you're seeing people talking about how, uh, you know, it's all about homeowners and this kind of thing. It, it's not. I mean, yes, the Bank of Canada prime rate does dictate variable rate mortgages, uh, which really only one in four mortgages in Canada uh, are variable rates. So there's roughly 12 million households in Canada. Uh, there's approximately 9 million, a little, little 8.5 million of them are homeowners. And of those 8.5 million households that own a home, about 65%, actually I think it's less, I think it's 60% uh, have a mortgage. So 40% of them are pretty clear. And of that remaining 60% or so, so just doing approximate math in my head, what about five, five million and change, um, 25% of those are in variable rate mortgages. So it's, it's almost one in 10 households in Canada that are impacted by movement in the prime rate. So it's not really affecting a massive amount of people. Uh, It's helping some homeowners, but it's not about homeowners. It's about the macro economy. It's about keeping liquidity in the banking system. It's about keeping business loans and business lines of credit flowing and keeping businesses in business. So that's where that rate cut comes from. It's, I mean, we look at everything, you know, being in the real estate world through this real estate lens. But that's not what the Bank of Canada's rate cuts are focused on. They're not focused so much on the real estate or you know, people with mortgages. It's focused on keeping the economy in general going. And so I think, you know, from my perspective, that extra half point rate cut to me, that indicates that they've got some pretty smart people doing a lot of data analysts and a lot of number crunching, uh, data analysis and number crunching in Ottawa. And they're saying, wow, this is really a big, big deal. And we really need to take some significant steps to bolster confidence and to keep things working, like to keep the gears of the financial machine uh, turning. 
Because you, know, you think about something like WestJet canceling 60% of flights, Air Canada canceling 50% of their flights. Those are two massive companies, but it isn't just about them and their employees. It's also about all the suppliers of goods and services to those airlines, you know, from the meal prep, the cleaning, the maintenance, the fuel, all the little knickknacks all the way down the supply chain. All of those businesses are going to be directly impacted. Like it's a big, big deal to have, you know, a forward contract going with Air Canada to supply X amount of meals. And suddenly you're being told 75% of those meals are no longer required. So the revenue will not be showing up. Like the trickle down impact of this, even just for one week is significant. But if this carries on for one month or two months, it's going to be very dramatic. So I would, I would say expect another cut from Bank of Canada. Expect us to go down to like a 0% overnight rate. I think we're at 0.75 right now. I wouldn't be surprised if we're at 0.5 next week, 0.25 the following week, and 0% three weeks from now. And, of course, I'm saying that at 10.26 a.m. on uh, <laughs> you know, Tuesday, March was it, 16th today. Yeah, we won't hold it to you. Yeah, by the end of the day, this might all be totally different. That's that's for sure. Yeah, what, it could be at zero percent uh, by eleven o'clock before we're done this recording. Right. What What do you think about how like it feels like in some senses uh, they're being very aggressive, and in other senses we're kind of we're kind of in an unprecedented we're in unprecedented territory, right? And if you're saying going down to zero, uh, what what? What other tools do they have? Like, are you worried that this, that, you know, we get to zero and it's, and, and there's, then it's, then what? Uh, <laughs> well, that, that's certainly a factor. Um, yeah, the, the then what? Uh, you know, I sent a communication out on Saturday, um, just updating our network on what's happening with our head office as we were getting ready to, you know, have everybody working from home uh, come Monday, Tuesday of this week. Uh, the update on the fact that all events are postponed and then explaining to our brokers, like this is the time to embrace the telephone. That's one beauty of the mortgage business is strictly speaking in a mortgage broker's world, we do not need to meet the clients face to face. The entire transaction can happen via telephone, email. And of course, these days, a lot of zoom calls are happening where you've got the video component as well. So, you know, the actual mortgage broker running their business is in pretty good shape. But of course the question is, are we going to have clients, uh, you know, that are still employed, you know, what, like where, where are we going economically? That's, that's kind of the bigger concern. But the, the quote that I sent out to open that communication on Saturday morning was everything we do before a pandemic will seem alarmist. Everything we do after will seem inadequate. So if you rewind the clock two weeks, if two weeks ago they had said we're closing the borders, people would have been up in arms. Like for the most part, I think there would have been a lot more backlash. And so I think the government is having to really walk a very, very fine line. It's kind of like threading a needle here. They don't want to incite any kind of panic, um, you know, taking radical action that people go, whoa, like if they're taking this kind of radical action, something serious must be going on. I think they wanted to wait until everybody felt like it was serious enough to take the action. But now you're seeing different levels of action being taken by different provinces. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I think most people at this point are very much on board with, with much more of a total shutdown. Like, just stop for two weeks. Let's try and get through this together and hopefully reboot everything in two weeks. Like, hopefully 99% of businesses and, and, and whatnot will survive two weeks of shutdown. Whereas if we just sort of stall this out slowly over a period of a couple of weeks, and then we get to a complete shutdown. And then that complete shutdown is required for three weeks or four weeks. Uh, that's going to be a lot harder to come back from. 
which of course sets up the question of where real estate value is going to go. But, <laughs> but I won't pretend I know your next question and I'm not going to pretend <laughs> I really have any of the real answers to any of these questions. Well, you know what, before we get to real estate values, cause I know you've, you've made some really strong predictions in the past on the show. Uh, but I'm just curious. So you're, you, you have brokers across the country. Like we can talk about what's going on in Vancouver real estate and, in the short form in the last couple of days, it seems like it's weirdly busy for what's going on. Like it, it seems almost irresponsibly busy uh, in terms of open houses and everything else uh, that's still taking place. There seems like there's still multiple offers. Um, what, what's happening on the ground in, in your guys uh, industry and in with your company? Because I think, you know, what you guys are doing kind of speaks to pre-approvals and, and where people are at with in their heads. So it, it varies from market to market, and I'm not going to call any cities or provinces out uh, and, and what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm not going to single any areas out. But in some markets, um, on the weekend, they were having open houses. Those open houses were busy, and like you say, they're getting multiple offers, and, and things are like business as usual. And in other markets, all open houses are canceled. The realtors don't want to enter people's homes. Appraisers are starting to not want to enter people's homes. People don't want realtors or other people in their home for showing, like in, in certain pockets. And I think that is the future. I don't think the future is the past. I think the future is the future. So the fact that we had last weekend still had pockets of, of lots of activity with open houses and everything else I do not think that's what next weekend is going to look like. And, uh, and again, I mean, you know, here we are, uh, you know, on Tuesday, it looks a lot different than it did on Monday. Things are escalating very quickly and changes are coming very fast. And I think you're going to see, you know, as that self-isolation piece kicks in, uh, just, just a little bit of a reduced or dampened demand for at least a few weeks at least. And, and then, you know, what does it look like from there? Well, we'll, we'll be able to better predict that a few weeks from now. Right. So moving, moving on to, to predictions, uh, just, uh, we usually wait for this to the end of the show, but, uh, but I'm just thinking out loud here. Okay. So, uh, inventory, we're, we're doing this Tuesday. Monday is usually the big day for new inventory, right? Adam and I were talking like it's noticeably down. Uh, I know we've canceled some listings uh, just just from a health perspective, like, hey, let's hit pause on these. So w- what do you think happens if, uh, say, two to three weeks from now, um, we're kind of coming out the other end or even a month from now, but inventory totally stops. So we're not seeing inventory building up, but demand is, is also hitting pause. Like, what, what does that look like to you? And can you talk a little bit about what that means uh, from your perspective for the spring market, uh, maybe even for the summer and fall through the rest of 2020 and what that means for real estate values? Well, to get into that area, as I say, I think, um, I think everybody's crystal uh, ball is, is murkier than ever before because things are just changing so rapidly. Um, the overarching themes, I think, are going to hold steady so number one, uh, since we talked about predictions and we were just closing off with a little bit of talk around interest rates, um, number one, people need to keep in mind that bad news is for interest rates, good news. Uh, you know, anytime there's economic turmoil, which is certainly what this is, uh, this virus is causing, there are low rates and rates will stay low until the economy really gets heated up and moving again. I mean, higher interest rates are a tool used to dampen inflation, to slow down a booming economy. We're a long ways off from having a booming economy. So perhaps one of the most important things, and it's too bad it's buried so deeply into our um, conversation here, uh, but for a listener who is in a variable rate mortgage right now, do not race off to the bank and lock yourself into a fixed rate mortgage. Do not do that. Interest rates are not going to be rising anytime soon. That is the exact opposite of what happens as we are moving into this kind of situation. 
And always keep in mind that if you're with a major bank or credit union and, and even some non-bank lenders, um, when you go from variable to fixed, you increase the prepayment penalty amount by up to 900%. So your prepayment penalty is only three months interest in a variable, which is mathematically about a half a percent of the balance at today's rates. Whereas in a fixed rate mortgage, that penalty can be four and a half percent of the balance. And two thirds of Canadians do not complete a five year term in their mortgage. And people always say, how can that be? You got a 60% divorce rate. You've got people very mobile moving all around the country for different jobs, different things. There's lots and lots of different reasons that mortgages don't go the full five years. And in a variable, you're always set up for the rock bottom penalty. And there is virtually zero risk of an interest rate spike in a variable rate mortgage anytime soon. Uh, so, so that I felt is an important point to make. And then as far as values go, that's a lot tougher to really make any kind of predictions around right now. Uh, in the short term, could we see uh, values dip? Arguably, yes, because demand will dip. But at the same time, as you just said, uh, fewer listings coming onto the market, less supply. Well, the less supply there is, that tends to support prices. So we may see a dip. Uh, we'll certainly see it flat for a, a few weeks. Will we come through this thing inside four to six weeks and still have a very healthy, uh, to use a, the word, uh, spring market? That could still happen. Could this thing take three or four months for us to get through, and could it somewhat obliterate uh, sales activity through the spring market? Well, sure, that could happen too. But I think the bigger question is not, do I treat my real estate uh, like a stock and try and dump it in the next uh, 10 seconds or 10 minutes or 10 days? Um, no, I, I don't think you do. I think, you know, for the most part, the majority of Canadians, uh, real estate is a thing they live in. I mean, it's, it's, it's not about the, the investment matters, but it's not an investment play. It's, it's a stability play. You know, they live close to work. They live close to schools. They're, you know, they have a, a sense of community. And so home ownership is really important and it's not something to be, you know, thrown to the side lightly. So trying to time a market, trying to predict that things are going to drop. So I'm going to sell my house today and I'm going to, then what? I'm going to rent for six months, 12 months, 18 months, who knows how long. And then I'm going to try and buy back the house that fits my dreams at a lower price two years. This is like a horrible plan. It's the worst idea. It's very disruptive uh, to a family. It's not a good idea. I mean, because looking out over a five-year period, a seven-year period, a 10-year period, you know, can I say with an extremely high level of confidence that all real estate, uh, certainly where I'm sitting right now at the corner of Robson and Richards in downtown Vancouver, uh, all prices of real estate around us will be the same or higher five, seven, 10 years from now? Yes. Yes. I, I believe with absolute conviction that will be the case. Could we be in for a few months or even a couple of years of uh, short-term pain? For sure. But over the longer term, we'll be fine. And, and I go, I know I'm giving a very long monologue here, but the only other piece of that, I would say the people who are in the trickier position are people with a very small deposit on a purchase closing in the next few weeks or closing next week. Uh, you know, do you walk away from that very small deposit? Well, keep in mind, you will almost certainly be sued for what's called specific performance. Uh, the seller will come after you. Uh, if the seller sells that property at a lower price, they're going to come after you for the difference. And um, you're not likely to win that case in court. I mean, in 2009, we saw this before. A number of people walked away from deposits and developers successfully sued those people for the difference in the sale price. Now, again, if the market bounces back fast enough, then the seller doesn't really suffer a tangible loss. 
maybe they're not getting sued for much. But then again, the market bounced back. So where does that leave you? Not in a great position. So I don't think anybody should be walking away from properties, walking away from deposits. I don't think we're anywhere near anything like that. And, and, and that's never been a good plan, even in the worst of times. You know, you look at the spring of 2008 when people were doing that. Well, by the spring of 2010, we were back to new record highs. And 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 how do people feel about property they bought in 2010? Pretty great. <laughs> how do people feel about properties they walked away from in 09? You know, in 09, we were $500 a foot in the Shangri-La building downtown, just to cite one of the more high-end pieces of real estate. It was an unheard of price, $500 a foot, totally insane. Who would ever pay $500 a foot? And, you know, here we are today. I believe that building's still selling around $1,400 a foot right now. Right, right. So there's my long answer. (laughs) (laughs) Dustin, should, should people that are maybe potentially in fixed mortgages right now consider refinancing? Well, that all depends on your prepayment penalty. I mean, yes, you should, you should consider it. You should investigate it and you should pick up the phone and call a mortgage broker. I'm biased that way. It just makes sense to call a mortgage broker, no matter which lender you're with, call a mortgage broker. A mortgage broker has access to multiple chartered banks, to multiple credit unions, to multiple non-bank lenders. And the non-bank lenders are really lending you the bank's money. It's just coming in a different colored wrapper with a different name on the letterhead. And uh, and because they have lower overheads, they tend to have uh, slightly lower rates. So there is potential to grab a lower rate, but depending on what your prepayment penalty is, that may cancel out the savings completely. So that's that's the thing to watch out for. And and just to be clear, Dustin, um, and this is kind of going back a little bit, but links in with refinancing, you're expecting the Bank of Canada to continue to further cut rates, and, and you're also expecting that that's going to be passed on down the line to the consumers, correct? Yeah, so we saw that 50 basis point cut Friday, and then the banks didn't do anything Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, but late yesterday, uh, the first bank announced that they were going to pass that cut on. And this morning, the, the, I know at least two more have fallen in line, if not all of them, while we've been on this call. So that cut has been passed on. Historically, the banks have always passed on the reductions. They've certainly always passed on the increases. There was an exception where uh, there was one 0.25 cut. And the banks only passed on 0.15. They, they kept a tenth of a percent for themselves and didn't pass it on. But that, that really is an exceedingly rare thing. And I believe there is probably some pressure from the government on the banks to pass these cuts on. It's about instilling consumer confidence. It's about making people's lives a little bit more affordable but you know, you look at you look at some something like credit card debt, and it's it's ridiculous. I mean, credit card interest rates have been between twenty and twenty five percent for my entire forty eight years on this planet. Well, we've watched interest rates plummet, you know, down to low single digits, and credit card interest rates have never budged, ever, and nobody cares. Nobody cares because we. I think we almost collectively look down our noses with disdain at somebody who's carrying credit card debt. And so we don't care that they're paying 20% or 25%, which is just ridiculous given the interest rate environment we've been in for the last 10, 15 years. And maybe one of the changes of many, I think there's going to be many, many systemic changes to the way we interact with one another, to the way businesses operate, and maybe to some of our belief systems, and maybe one of those changes that comes out of this experience is the recognition that an awful lot of people are going to wind up coming out of this with a little bit or a lot of credit card debt. And should that debt be at 20%? How is that justifiable? It isn't. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, yeah, no, it... it, uh... 
I think loan sharking is uh, <laughs> comes to mind. Well, the government uh, prescribed maximum interest rate is sixty percent. You're you're on side if you're at fifty nine point nine nine percent. That's okay to charge somebody. So technically, they could push credit cards to fifty nine percent, and that that that's legal. Like we as a society have agreed to our with our lawmakers that that you know. 59% interest rate is acceptable. That seems a little ridiculous as well. Right. I, I think some of these things are going to come under a lot more scrutiny and possible review and change over the next few months. So you're, if I understand correctly, and, and I think it, it seems like you're one of many here, this is, uh, this is a moment that is, is about... Uh, containing a pandemic and kind of getting through it, but this seems to point to a larger kind of systemic uh, change in, in the way that we kind of operate here. Well, yeah, I think, I think there's a number of business practices that are, as they say, they're just going to get a lot more scrutiny and attention going through what we're going through. Well, I, I keep saying it over and over ad nauseum. I think everybody is, but it's, you know, it's, going to be very interesting times. Right. So Dustin, so just thinking about this, like right now, obviously we're, we're entering into a period of, of very, very low rates. Um, assuming that this lasts one to three months and we come out of this and, and the economy seems to stabilize. Kind of best case scenario. Yeah. What, 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 what happens to rates then, in your opinion? Well, uh, you know, as I said earlier, fundamentally, uh, a healthy, growing economy uh, with a reasonable degree of inflation, uh, we'll see interest rates certainly higher than what we've seen. You know, the, the low 2% numbers that are floating around right now, uh, you'd see that move back into the threes as, as was happening, you know, last year. Uh, and, and potentially a, a little bit higher than that. But we're not talking about interest rates suddenly being 7% this fall. Like that, that's, that's not a thing that's going to happen. Like the likelihood of our economy rebounding so strongly that they suddenly have to, you know, drive rates upward to slow us all down. That, that just seems fantastical at this point in time. So, you know, whenever you have conversations for the last 10 years about where interest rates going, are they going up? Are they going down? I've always kind of said, who cares? Because it's not about whether they're going up or down. It's about how much are they going up or down by. And the bandwidth that we've seen over the last decade has really been about 1% plus or minus. Right? It's sort of been like 3% plus or minus 1%. And that is not in itself an earth-shattering difference. Like most people don't realize the math. They don't do the math. You know, on a hundred thousand dollar balance, a quarter point swing in the interest rate represents thirteen dollars a month difference in the payment. Thirteen bucks a month for a quarter point. So you'll go, oh, but my mortgage is four hundred thousand, so it's it's sixty bucks a month. Okay, so it's you know fifty, fifty bucks a month. Okay, and if rates move a full percentage point, well, that's two hundred dollars a month. Okay, but again, do some additional math. In today's environment, you have to have an $80,000 household income with zero debt and excellent credit to have qualified for that $400,000 mortgage, which if you put less than 20% down and are on a shorter amortization, the payment is about $1,800 a month. And if you're making $80,000 a year, you've got about $72,000 after tax. So you've got about $6,000 a month after tax, and your mortgage payment is $1,800. That's a pretty big cushion. If your mortgage payment goes from $1,800 to $2,000, you're okay. And again, three out of four Canadians are in fixed-rate mortgages. So even if we see that 1% increase in their interest rates, that's five years from now. And they've been paying their mortgage down at an unprecedented rate. So actually, their payments, even if, and here's, here's, here's an interesting mathematical one for you. If you took a mortgage today at 2.5%, five years from now, interest rates have doubled and you have to pay 5%. 
think about how much that payment goes up. Now, I ask a lot of smart people that question. Accountants, people who do math for a living. I say the interest rate doubles five years from now. What happens to your payment? Now, they know it's a bit of a trick question, so they know it, it doesn't double. There's probably a couple of listeners that would have been like, it doubles. It doesn't double. If interest rates double five years from now, you factor in the mortgage pay down, you leave the amortization remaining where it is, the payment goes up 30%. And again, 30%, people go, well, I couldn't afford that. That's like a $500 a month increase in my payment. Well, again, you had to have an $80,000 a year. So I, yeah, I did the math wrong on that. It's not 72,000 take-home. It's more like 62,000 take-home. It's about $5,000 a month. But even if your payment goes from 1,800, you know, it goes up by 30%. Let's say it goes up to 2,300. You still have $5,000 a month take-home, but wait, no, you don't. It's five years into the future. And someone who's in an $80,000 a year role today will almost certainly see a 2% raise compounding every year for five years. So they're actually going to have a, an increase in their income equivalent to an increase in the mortgage payment should interest rates double. So that's a really long way of saying we have a lot of capacity to absorb interest rate increases, but people don't do the math. They don't realize what the actual increase in their mortgage payment would be, and they don't think about when that would happen. And so people get all worked up about you know 0.05% difference on an interest rate, 0.1% difference on interest rate. It doesn't matter. You know, a tenth of a percent, a quarter of a percent interest movement, it's just not something to worry about. So will rates be up? Will they be down by the end of the year? Who knows? More importantly, who cares? <laughs> if they are up or they are down, it's only going to be by a half a point, you know, on average, one way or the other. I, I told and, Adam that was a stupid question to ask. Well, I, I saw Matt. Matt was Matt was starting to sweat when I think I think he thought you were going to pose that question about rates doubling to him. <laughs> I don't like. I don't put anybody on the spot on that one anymore. I just I just answer it for people. I'm one of those real yeah. smart people. You pose that question to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe as a as a final question here, Dustin, and it's and and maybe we'll speak kind of more broadly about this, but generally we've seen when money's really cheap uh a lot of people like hard assets right like that's what they flee to hard assets especially with the looking at what the stock market's done um over the last couple of weeks and it seems like it's kind of in free fall right now um not necessarily in the next week or two obviously not from a kind of responsible uh perspective of what we should be doing uh but more just generally would you buy real estate today would you buy in the spring of 2020 or in 2020 in general like do you like this environment to to pull the trigger on something well i don't know that i'm going to go out and write an offer on anything this afternoon um you know I, I'm, I'm probably going to fall into the wait and see camp uh, a little bit right now now there are people who've sold their property and they need to go out and write an offer on something today because they need somewhere to live they don't want to rent in between and they want to buy and they want to buy something in a you know a certain building or a certain neighborhood because it's proximity to work or you know family or whatever it is, and so there will be people out there buying. And and I again, when you're buying an owner occupied property that you're going to be in for seven to ten years, hopefully, um, I think that you know the right time to buy is always the day you find the property that works for you. So, notwithstanding that this is a little bit of an extreme case. So if I was just thinking about maybe listing my place this spring and, and maybe moving, uh, maybe I want to be a couple buildings over or something like that, uh, I'm probably going to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, I'm probably going to wait and see. And same with investment properties. Now, again, if I see a property that has great cash flow and looks like a great investment, well, yeah, I'll move forward with it because, again, that to me is a long-term investment play. So even if things dip a little bit, if I bought something that cash flows well and has strong tenants, yeah, I'm not going to worry about it too much. So, But, yeah, I'm, I'm in the wait-and-see camp right now. 
that, that could change two weeks from now or four weeks from now. Then, then maybe it's go time. We'll have to reconvene in uh, three or four weeks. <laughs> See what the world looks like. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. And, and Dustin, maybe maybe we'll leave it there, but how can people find out more about what you're doing and also about mortgage architects? Well, at this point, as they say, I'm not really interacting with uh, with clients, although obviously I have a great network. So if somebody is uh, you know, wondering where to start, how do I find a, a great broker? Um, I, I value my personal reputation highly, so I don't make recommendations lightly. But yeah, certainly, um, no matter where in Canada somebody is uh, listening to this, I've probably got a quality broker in their area that they can have a conversation with. And, uh, and I can be reached at uh, email is probably the easiest. Dustin, D-U-S-T-A-N, at M-T-G-A-R-C. So think mortgage arc. So M-T-G-A-R-C, Mother Tango Gamma Alpha Romeo Charlie dot C-A. And, and Dustin, I, I, I just want to put a plug in because Matt and I are huge fans of your... Uh, Mortgage meditations. Yeah, the, the, Sunday, uh, the Sunday email that goes out. How do people get on that list if they also, want? Also, Facebook. you got to follow Dustin on Facebook. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got an open profile on Facebook and LinkedIn, and I, 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 I throw a lot of uh, my arbitrary thoughts of the day out there and you know, love, them, love them or hate them. Luckily, people don't seem to hate them. I mean... I don't know. I'm 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 mostly wondering these days why we can't all just be kinder to one another, and um, I'm mostly pleasantly surprised at how kind we actually are to one another. So <laughs> I'm a very optimistic, positive person. If you're looking for a raging rants, I'm not your guy. Um, if you're looking for something a little more, as they say, hopeful and uh, optimistic, then then I'm your guy. The Mortgage Meditations blog is uh, mainly a collection of snippets from the Be the Better Broker uh, book series, and it is largely targeted at mortgage brokers, although I have a lot of realtors, financial planners, uh, who also enjoy a lot of the chapters and a lot of the blog posts. And uh, and yeah, there's a sign-up page at bethebetterbroker.com. To sign up for that blog, and uh, I haven't been writing a client-facing, uh, consumer-based blog for some time now, and uh, I feel like I need to put a couple posts together just in light of our conversation here. I've taken a few notes myself, and I should probably get something out to my database just to touch base and say hello. No one's going to say you're not productive. <laughs> well, th- thanks so much. We know you're a really busy guy, Dustin, and and always uh, always insightful. I think you're one of the you're one of the most popular uh, guests we've we've had and continue to have on the show. So thanks again for coming back. Well, thank you, guys. I always appreciate the invite, and that's uh, it's always good questions, and it was great to have the conversation. Okay, stay safe. You too. Take care. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with president of Mortgage Architects, Dustin Woodhouse. One of my favorite guests on the show. Um, he has a really great way, Dustin, of just kind of rolling out his answers and, and making you really think, stop, pause, think about what's going on. Oh, and, and we always say this with Dustin. It's like you ask him one question and, and it's basically the interview's over because he, he almost thinks about what your next question is going to be and just continues on. Yes. In this case, it might have even been more pronounced because like we said, we did this on your uh, on your deck and there was some hammering down the street in the background. <laughs> so we were literally hitting mute on our mics. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was potentially a little bit more of a monologue than normal, but there is nobody better to listen to if they're on a monologue than Dustin Woodhouse. For sure, for sure. And uh, we really hope that you enjoyed that. Like we like we said in the intro, Matt, we are still scheduled for our live tomorrow, 7 p.m. Um, on YouTube. Uh, we are debating whether we're going to be doing it, just uh, trying to figure out logistics of how that looks with um, social distancing and everything else. Um, but definitely check out our site and subscribe over at the YouTube channel. Um, and and head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com for it, sure it, because everybody is staying home and uh, we're just interested in a lot of phone conversations. We're going to produce a lot of content ourselves. It's all going to live at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. If you want to be updated on the real estate market and what's happening in the economy with COVID and everything else, 
uh, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com sure. is a place to go. Yeah, Matt, and um, we'll, we'll just maybe on a final note, just say that we are going to be producing a lot of content, so we're keep trying to keep you up to date as much as we possibly can with what we're hearing and who we're talking to. Um, if you have any uh, thoughts on it, we'd love to hear from you as well. Info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, or you can reach out to Matt. 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com and uh, on a final note um, we are doing our best to flatten the curve we hope you are as well and uh, stay safe everyone absolutely yeah happy St. Patty's Day but uh, drink that green beer at home 2000 Faces for Radio subscribe today <laughs> Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs>